0: On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, Keith and I discuss why the loss to the Miami Heat was a bad one for the 76ers. Now two in a row coming off the All-Star break and win over Memphis, Boston, and Miami back to back. What's going on with the Sixers? We'll dive into it next right here. Locked On 76ers.
1: You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: Welcome, you are locked on 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5, the Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, alongside my co-host Keith Pompey from the Sixers uh, Inquirer.com, Sixers Beat Writer. What's happening, Keith?
1: What's good, D? How you doing, man? I'm
0: uh, doing all right, man. We got to thank everybody for making Locked On 76s your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76s is free and available on all platforms, including right here on YouTube at Locked On 76s. Keith, sixes fall to the Miami Heat by 210199. Another close one, another gut punch. In this game, as they fall to the Miami Heat, we'll dive into what happened, specifically what went down in this game that really stood out to you and I. And, uh, of course, get the listener's thoughts uh, later on on social media and however they want to get in touch with us. We'll look ahead as they take on the Miami Heat again on Wednesday and also just talk about uh, what this means right now as far as the standings go, where they need to be in order to remain in the top three for the Eastern Conference playoffs but Keith 101 99 man they fall in this one and it was another one that that you looked at that self-inflicted wounds once again why they have to clean up some of this mess when they when they lose these types of games the same stuff typically stands out turnovers high turnover game uh, missing three-point shots not closing out on their defenders on the three-point end things of that nature. What really stood out to you on this one? What were your observations of how they lost this game?
1: I mean, basically, the observations to me were the turnovers. They had 20 turnovers, which led to 22 points, you know, by the heat. Um, I, I felt like um, Jimmy Butler was by far the best player on the floor. I mean, I know Joel had his points, but it just seemed like when when clutch time came, Jimmy Butler was the guy who stepped up. But also, the thing that got me was the fourth quarter on on how poorly the Sixers played. You know, in the, in the fourth quarter, the Sixers opened the quarter by missing nine shots and having three turnovers before Embiid hit a fifteen foot, a fifteen foot pull up jumper with six fifty to play right in the game. Right. I mean that that that's bad. And then they ended the quarter. I mean, ended the game just as poorly as they began it. Like. Mb made 11 foot fadeaway uh, jumper to close the gap to one point with 3:01 left. Right. However, the Sixers missed their final five shots and committed two turnovers down that, that stretch. I mean, so it was bad, man. It was like you know when you when you think of teams who are championship caliber teams and you think of how they close out games and stuff like that, they typically you know pick up things down the stretch, not crumble. So the Sixers must correct this if they expect to make a deep deep uh, postseason run, D. So as you talked about the five and uh, three for
0: me specifically in, in succession really bothered me in the moment and still do. It was the, uh, the shot clock violation that, that they had. James Harden, albeit hustling uh, for a loose ball as the Sixers got another opportunity there, he falls along the sideline And while it wasn't really his fault, as he's falling, he's looking for the official to bail him out and thinking he's gonna get that call, which veterans typically do. They think they're gonna get the call from the official. He's knocked knocked over and he lands on the sideline. And as a result, they don't call it. They simply call him out of bounds because he's laying on the sideline and him not trying to throw the ball into a teammate. That is another bad possession. And then Bam Adebayo blocks Joel Embiid on, on the shot uh, right there also so that's three consecutive possessions in a row that they came up short and so two of them specifically were the self-inflicted ones James Harden could have at least tried to throw the basketball in instead he was looking for the official to again bail him out as he was falling out of bounds instead of throwing and locating and as I was looking at it to his right was Tobias Harris who had a poor game uh to his right was Tobias Harris And he didn't throw him the basketball and he could have at least tried to lob it up, tried to get it over the arms of Jimmy Butler before he's falling out. He could have thrown it along the floor to allow Tobias Harris to pick the ball up and make a decision of what to do from there. And he he didn't. So those right there, man, were three crucial plays for the Sixers as both teams, as you mentioned, they were right there in it but both, neither team was scoring. There was a lid on the basket for both teams, and the Sixers had three opportunities where they couldn't even get a shot off. Uh, two air balls from three-point range as well uh, on, on that one because it was the Tobias Harris three-pointer that was an air ball, and then there was the Joel Embiid one where it, was, it wound up being the shot clock violation. Just poor execution down the stretch, and that cannot happen, to your point. As a playoff team that has high aspirations, those things can't happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, it, it can. It, it, it was bad, and and the thing is, like again, you know, you look at it and you see these close wins, and people were saying, I mean, close uh, outcomes, and people are like, oh, oh, they, they were right there. No, they weren't. I mean, like, I mean, okay, they probably were on this one, but this Miami team isn't that good, y'all. I mean, they're not. Like, I mean, we're looking at it, and you know, we're, we're talking about uh, two teams. The last two where guys didn't really play well. Bam out of Bayou, four for fourteen, right? Five turnovers. Uh Tyler Hero, uh last, you know, one of the best six men. Wasn't he six man of the year last year, right? Um yeah. a, a, a sharp shooting three-point uh specialist. Three for 13 from the field, two for nine. Uh Gabe Vincent, a guy who, you know, we he normally gets the best of the 76ers. He shot four for eight overall, but he was five, I mean, four for eight for three, but five for twelve. Overall, so when you look at that, if you're like Miami, you're saying to yourself, man, I can't believe we walked out of here with a victory. Okay, okay. So, you know what I mean? It's one of those things where I'm looking at it like two games in a row where the opposing team played poorly and the Sixers still couldn't take advantage and win. And not only that, both of these games were at home where, where you have you home support of Yeah, you needed them. You got the advantage yadi yadi nah it was it was bad too bad displays yeah
0: two back-to-back losses uh close in terms of five points in total uh in those losses three against the boston celtics with the game winner from jason tatum two points against the miami heat as jimmy butler hit, gives them the lead 199 then he splits a pair of free throws down the stretch in the Sixers get a good look keith i thought that that was a good look i know a lot of people i felt Uh, I saw, felt that Joel Embiid should have taken the shot there over two defenders as he turned into the lane. I thought he made the right basketball play on that one. He had a high turnover night, six turnovers, bad possessions that he had on that play. That was a good look. I live with that one every day of the week with James Harden shooting from the top of the key uh, with the game uh, in his hands. So didn't have a problem with that, but another tough loss. And I'll say this, when we've talked about them, And they're showing that they can win close games the other way. And they've done that. They've been pretty good with their execution beforehand. These last couple of these last two games against Boston and here against Miami on Monday night, not so much, not much of the same in that category. When we come back, we got to get into uh, some of the other things. Tyrese Maxey played well, fouls out of the game. Why I thought Doc Rivers and the coaching staff made the wrong decision. We'll see what Keith was of putting PJ Tucker in the game for the Sixers at 321 to play just three points we'll get into that next right here locked on 76ers but I gotta tell you as we come off of a tough loss like like that last night I have a radio show to do I'm amped up I'm ticked off I need something to eat and I don't want to just go and grab a candy bar late at night like that I was looking for something that was uh also you know don't have a lot of fat and calories and it was delicious I wanted to make sure of that and I went with the Built Bar. I went with the Built Bar, and it's healthy, it's tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. And they're perfect as we get into the month of March now, again, starting to hit spring. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is correct, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. They only carry 130 calories four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can always go to built.com to get these bars whenever you feel like you're in the need of a new supply to put in your kitchen, but you can also now go to Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right, head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab yourself a 13-bar box with the hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can work yourself off with the anger sometimes, and you're not going to the bad candy bars. You're going to the Built Bar, you You're thank me later. Welcome back, Locked On 76ers. Thanks for making us your first listen. For your next check out the Locked On Now podcast, for nightly recaps, of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. A light night in the association on Monday night. Schedule picks up again on Tuesday. But we're here talking about the 76ers who are now 39 and 20 have dropped their last two. 39 and 21 have dropped their last two games. The Celtics uh, last night also lost to the New York Knicks. So they remain four games back of the Celtics. They are... Tied with the Milwaukee Bucks now, the Celtics are in the Eastern Conference standings. So the Sixers trail both teams by four points. You have two games up on the Cleveland Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference standings right now. Keith, 321, Tyrese Maxey played a very good game, bounced back 21 points, uh, 23 points off the bench. He looked really good and they missed him because he fouled out with three minutes and 21 seconds. He's not a guy that's really in foul trouble, so it was even surprising to me when he got to four personal fouls. That said, when he went out of the game, they really lost something. He's the only one with real speed, attacking the basket, getting to the cup, and finishing the way that he was on Monday night. I had a problem with Doc Rivers, Dan Burke, Dave Yeager, Sam Cassell, whoever made the call to from the coaching staff to insert P.J. Tucker in with three minutes and 21 seconds, down three points, and the Sixers and the Heat, neither team really able to hit you know, get a shot to go as we just talked about with those three possessions and five overall that you mentioned. mentioned. I had a problem with them inserting P.J. Tucker, who has been hitting his shots, who uh, did hit a few shots on Monday night, but in that point of the game, you needed offense. The defense was happening. Both teams playing defense. You needed offense. I didn't like the P.J. Tucker uh, substitution for Tyrese Maxey at that point of the game.
1: Yeah. Now, actually, that the the substitution you're talking about, because remember that's when Maxey found out. Yes. Um. So Harris actually came in for him, but Tucker came in for Harris a couple minutes, a couple minutes earlier when they were down too. So you know what I mean? I you know I understand what you're saying, but yeah,
0: he needed he needed to be off the floor. They needed somebody else.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you needed somebody I mean, and again, I guess Doc was looking at it like, hey. Here's a guy who has eight points, a guy who's doing what he's doing. You know, he's playing well. Maybe he will spark us. But, you know, you're right, man. It became real sloppy. Like, I mean, I, it's to a point where if they're going to play like that and and they're not making shots, I mean, why not go with Shake Milton in that instance or, or someone like that? I mean, if you need somebody that's known to be a scorer, knowing who's going to put it up, because it, there was no defense being played it was just a matter of whoever can make a layup you, you know what I'm saying it was like whoever can make a layup and, and and Jimmy Butler was the one who was making them but but outside of that yeah I, I get you I understand what you're saying because you know it, it essentially Tobias wasn't doing anything at that particular time um it was a two-man game they just had two guys out there like Tobias wasn't doing anything Melton wasn't doing anything um uh Maxi fouled out and it was all about hardening and beat and and they didn't have any other options. so I I'm, I'm with you. yeah on
0: that one I just needed I needed someone else in the game at that point as good as PJ Tucker has been knocking down the shots as the game is flowing and in this case when you need points at the end to make sure that you keep yourself in it, You needed to make sure that you had somebody that can be able to to not only create for himself, but just make a shot if the ball found him. And while P.J. Tucker can do that, I don't see him or haven't seen him here with the 76ers where we're in the guts of the game, where points are needed. The ball swings to him and he's taking a shot. He's typically looking to make a quick screen, drop the ball off, hand it off to somebody else to give them an opportunity. There's nothing wrong with that. But right there for what they needed during those final three minutes, that that point of the game, the ball needed to the ball needed to be in someone else's hands. They needed another offensive player on the floor uh, at that point. It's just where I am. That's just how I felt. And it it played out the way that it did where uh, P.J. Tucker, I don't even remember him doing anything on the offensive end, at least touching the ball and swinging the ball to anyone. And, And that's part of the problem there when we look at. Uh, how this one played out against the Miami Heat. So tough one again for the Sixers, tough things there for Doc Rivers in the clutch. And even when we look at how things played out against the Boston Celtics on Saturday, where we talked about as good of a defender as D'Anthony Melton was, put him on Jalen Brown, don't have him on on Jason Tatum for that final shot. I understand speed coming from the backcourt and all of that, the length and what, Tobias Harris was doing as a solid defensive player in that entire game against Jason Tatum. This is two things now for me in succession where I've questioned the coaching decisions on what they've done with some personnel moves there for the Sixers uh, in these two games. So yeah,
1: another, let me say uh, something. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Let me, let me add to this. And this is, see, this is something that people need to pay attention to because as much as the 76ers have been successful before these two games, right? This yeah. stretch. If you notice, there was a time when PJ Tucker was getting benched. Playing like fourth, 15 fourth, minutes, right? He was getting benched in the Look, fourth. Keith, let me jump in. As you say that I was looking
0: at PJ Tucker because I didn't go to the game last night. You were there from the TV angle. There was a time where I believe they were focused on doc rivers on the sideline talking to someone. And in the background, it was in the fourth quarter. I could see P.J. Tucker sitting on the bench. He had a towel on his head and all that stuff. He's picking at his nails. He's just sitting there picking at his nails because, like normal, he's not getting back in the game. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? He's not getting back in the game. And not to say that he's picking there because he's bored and guys sit there and they pick at their nails all the time on the bench we've seen with uh, fingernail clippers, clip all that stuff. But he's sitting there. And he's interested in the game, and it was a dead ball. I think it was free throws. But he's sitting there like that. I think he kind of figured he wasn't getting back in the game at that point. And I just wanted to jump in there and toss that again and say that.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing is, it just tells you where they've gone. Because it got to a point where P.J. barely played in the fourth, or he played in the beginning of the fourth, and then he sat down like you said. And then there was times where they had Matisse out there closing games out. They had other people, George Niang in there closing things out. And now you no longer have Matisse, right? Um, and, And then George Niang just been getting attacked. So with PJ, it's not like all of a sudden you're saying, okay, PJ improved drastically. It's more of less the other dudes aren't like coming through or you don't have them. So that should tell you in a way like, What's happening with this team you know what i mean like again close games but it just seems like the 76ers are scrambling a little bit right about now you know you have melton struggling you have george niang struggling and matisse isn't there anymore so it's kind of like they're still trying to figure out who they're going to close out with you know so you know it's just a lot this team is going through a lot of changes this is the time where they should be gelling, bonding and just going on, like just doing it, but it just getting reps. But it just seems like they're still trying to figure things out, man. Well, they
0: may have a few other things that they're gonna have to figure out along the way because they're gonna be on the road for the month of March 12 times. So they have to figure out the bonding part there And make sure that they are able to uh, identify some things uh, with this basketball team down the stretch and it's tough man because you talk about a team that is again still 18 games over 500 and we know one of the best teams in the eastern conference but the way they've lost these two games and the fashion that they lost them you know it makes it a lot worse we're not we know they're good it's just a matter of how good are they Uh, when these big type of moments step up for the Philadelphia 76ers and our final one we'll talk about a, a former Sixer that was released Keith and a lot of Sixer fans had their eye on him, but maybe it might be too late because you picked up a center already on the market we'll tell you who that is next on the other side right here on locked on 76ers and now we need to talk about you know guys looking hey we are talking about hey maybe some go out there and acquire some late additions to the team some some late ads to your roster well these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for a small business now this is a big business and a player coming in late is a potential hire to help out it is a high stakes addition maybe well you want to be 100 certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, Then add your job, look at the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring to let the people know that you're really interested in finding the type of people that they believe they are looking for the jobs themselves as they are identifying you and your business. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you like to interview and hire like when keith goes on the road i need to hire someone for him this personal assistant to make sure he's good because he has so much stuff to do on the road and that's why small businesses rate linkedin jobs number one in delivering quality highs versus leading competitors and when i do hire that person to make sure keith is okay on the road trips I go to LinkedIn Jobs. They help you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash NBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we do pay people when, when I hire these people to keep on pay on the road. We do pay. We don't pay much, but we do pay. So just, just letting you know. You just want to travel, we got you that's that's your pay right there we pay for your your travel that's it and you <laughs> in your lodging you can stay somewhere and we make sure you got a gig in, in and in a hotel all right Keith a couple of guys that might be looking for jobs as uh Sixer fans as we kind of transition just to the market of the buyout uh it is March uh, it, we're approaching March and players have to be released and available for a roster spot in the playoff team and play in the playoffs having to be released already. We've already talked about Will Barton, but the former Sixer, uh, number six overall pick during their rebuild, Nerlens Noel, he and his uh, representation, they reached an agreement on a buyout with the Detroit Pistons. He becomes available. Uh, can you explain to people who were interested in Nerlens Noel of where they are right now with Dwayne Dedman, why he hasn't played and also, is it possible for them to still look at New Orleans Noel, but maybe have to let go of Dwayne Dedman or let go of some other player on the roster to make him fit uh, for him to be eligible for the playoffs? How does this whole thing work out?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things like, I mean, the Sixers still have some money to be able to go out there and, and get someone in the buyout market. Right. But, um, but the thing is, right about now, and you're right, they would have to waive a player. Yeah. But the thing is, right about now, and if you already have three centers on your roster, and if you get Nerlens, you're going to have four centers, unless you just say, "Hey, Dwayne," or or someone else, uh, Paul Reed, or or Montrez Harrell. Like, hey, y'all got to go, right? But with that it looks kind of sort of like, it you know, it's a bad situation because Dwayne hasn't played. I feel like if Dwayne played and he, if he wasn't injured right now, he's dealing with a, a hip tightness, hip soreness. He injured his hip at practice. Um, it was, I believe it was the practice right before they went to the, the game before the all-star break. So that's when he hurt himself. But um, it's, it's kind of like, it's weird now because, People are looking at it like, yo, we were all excited about Dwayne Detman, but Nerlens was the guy we always wanted, right? And now all of a sudden you got Dwayne and he can't play, and now Nerlens becomes available. And then if you're the Sixers, it's kind of like, do you want to get rid of Dwayne? Like because then it looks like they really messed this one up. Like you went out there and got a guy who was hurt. But even though he got, they saying he got hurt at practice. But you got a guy that got that was hurt, and now all of a sudden we don't have a spot for Nerlens Noel. I mean, in like, I hate to say it, but this is the stuff that this used to happen to him back in the day. It was always something crazy, you know. But but again, I think that Dwayne can be serviceable. I do, but he just has to get out there and perform. You know, he just has to because. Is he the rim protector that Nerlens Noel is? No, and is he probably the rebounder that Nerlens is? No, right. But at the same time, he he's he, he's less he he's he's um, he's not as good as Nerlens in the rim protection, but he's a way better offensive player than Nerlens. Right. So you get the best of both worlds from him, but. um, you know, now here's the thing about the Will Barton thing. Like, it's the same thing. They would have to release somebody. Yeah. But you have to have somebody signed by tomorrow. Tomorrow. By March 1st. March, March 1st before for that person to be on your roster. And the way the Sixers play, not able to get any shots, um, the way that they, they're getting uh, 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 out-rebounded and out-hustled, they need to add something else to this roster because right now, I don't know, man. I, and I know doc said his only one game. He said that before the last game, but it just seems like this team doesn't have what it takes to win a championship in the intangible part. So they need to add something. So what are real fast uh, you
0: just explained all of that but what are their options of uh, is 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 Dwayne Dedman is he the only one that they can really look at to release and as fast as release anybody Tap hits, hits and stuff like that with Paul Reed Montres Harold well,
1: the thing is i think like see the thing is like not i'm not having this in front of me but when you look at it like see a lot of people may say Get rid of Furkan Korkov. Exactly. Bible. That's um, what I'm saying. Right. But, but, he Furcon makes $5 million. Is, huh? <laughs> he makes $5 million. Well, yeah, but it's not really what he makes this season. It's what he's making next season. Because the thing is, you don't want to – like, when the buyout comes, like, you got to negotiate. But if it's somebody who is, like, basically – this is, like, their last year, like a Paul Reed, um, a Shake Milton, um, um, a Montrez Harrell. Like, guys like that, you can just say, hey, look, we're cutting. We're cutting you, cutting your losses. Other people, you got to, you know, try to negotiate things and and stuff like that. But then you still probably may. And, and like, if it's me, if 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 I'm Furkan Korkmaz and I know the 70 I'm not playing, I know the 76ers want to waive me to get another player, I'm just going to be like, yo, y'all got to cut me. I want my money. Buy me out. Buy, no, I ain't even oh, saying, up cut. I'm yeah. saying you got to straight yeah. up cut me because in a buyout, what you're doing is in a buyout, you're saying, okay, I'll walk in order for you, I mean, but, but, but I'm going to take less money in a buyout, right? Now, here's the deal with that. Typically, for a guy like Kevin Love, he's in a situation where he knew he wanted to go to Miami where he was going to start. Because believe me, these agents talk to these teams way before it happens. But as long as he was with Cleveland, he was riding the bench. So what happens is you're like, oh, yeah, buy me out of my contract for that, right? But if, you, if you're if you sitting the bench and you don't have any a lot of other options, right, it's, it's kind of sort of like, well, no, nah, I'm not leaving less money on the table. You cut me and then we're good. you know what i mean because i I need that five point whatever it is next year just in case i'm not in the league Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so so yeah they can do whatever they want but it's just a matter of you know i'm curious to see if they do
0: anything because you're talking about new Orleans again and then you look at the will barton part where at least there's a guy who can score a little bit Uh, defensively he gives you nothing Uh, he can score a little bit and maybe that'll help uh to your bench with you where you're not getting anything from uh, right now Shake Milton Daniel House Furkan Korkmaz any of those wing players and guards you're getting nothing the only one that you're getting something from is in fact Tyrese Maxey and I don't know I don't know that that can that can uh, be enough as far as your bench goes and when the scoring comes into play so appreciate the breakdown man thanks everybody for making locked on 76 is your first listen every day on our next episode, we'll preview again game two against the Miami Heat as the Sixers now travel to Miami-Dade Arena. Weird name uh, since they changed it. Miami-Dade. It is wow. Yeah, Miami-Dade Arena. Now make your second listen, Locked On NBA, lock On Experts, covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast.
1: Keith, can you let the good folks know where they can find us tonight? like my man D just said, wherever you get your podcast, you can get this podcast. But when you go to our YouTube channel, make sure you click on the Liberty bell and then you, you know, you become a new subscriber and you will get alerts whenever we have podcasts. Also do yourself a favor tonight and listen to my man D from six to 10 PM on 975 FM, right? The divine given show. Also, you can follow my man D on Twitter at DivineG975. You can follow me on Twitter at Pompeii on Sixers. And you can read my stuff in the Philadelphia Inquirer, inquire.com. All right, man.
0: Well, we'll catch you on the road as you uh, end up in, again, Miami-Dade Arena. Have fun in Miami. That should be fun.
1: Yeah, it should be. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it better be. I know, right? All yeah. right, bro. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Keith. All right, peace.